Hey, fantastic. So glad that you're here with us again today. We've been having a good few weeks just talking about the things of God and uh, loving on what God is doing in our midst. Amen. Brilliant. Everybody doing okay? There was a gentleman called Sam that got saved a couple of weeks ago. Is he here? He had a very colorful baseball cap. He might be out in... Is, is that, Sam, I was praying this morning and, and you came to mind and I felt God say to give you a book that I'd written. Is that okay? Um, and then I forgot, and then during worship, God said, they're in the car, go get them. So I left the service, and I went over to get this. I just really, God, but can you set them in that tier? <coughs> That's brilliant. And while I was there, I grabbed another four. If you've joined us in the last four weeks, and you'd like a copy of Breathe Again, pop your hand up. First four hands, get it? Right, I'm going to leave that to you. It could be a fight there, Sean. I'm going to leave that to you there. Brilliant. <coughs> the book actually talks a lot about Make sure this gentleman here gets his hand up. He had his hand up early over there. Brilliant. This book actually talks about something that I want to go over today. And uh, when I was thinking about what I was going to share today, um, I, just, I just really, you came to mind, Sam, and I just love what God's doing in your life. I love the zeal that you've got for God. That you know that everything else isn't happiness, God's happiness. So I just believe God's going to speak to you through that book, all right? It's, it's me preaching in your living room. Is that all right? That's good. Excellent. Well, um, big welcome to you. We've been in this series called Pursuit, where we've been looking at the things that people pursue and why they pursue them. And it was based off of a statement that was written in a document called the Declaration of Independence that was written in 1776, about 247 years ago. And it was actually given to England on July the 4th, which is two days' time, right? So we're very current with our preaching today, 247 years out, but kind of near the date. And it was when uh, America said to England, we don't want to be under your rule and reign. We don't want to be a part of you anymore. We want to be a part of ourselves. We want to look after ourselves. And we were comparing that to the moment in the Garden of Eden when Adam claimed a day of independence from God. And we've been sharing how God actually had given Adam everything he needed. All the happiness that Adam and Eve could ever want, they already had. All of the liberty that they could ever want, they already had. And all of the life they could ever want, they already had. Because in the Declaration of Independence, I suppose we're all getting really familiar with it after the last few weeks, it says that every person created by God has a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And we've just been taking time to go over that and ask the question, are we finding the fulfillment of what we pursue in him? Or are we still trying to get liberty, life, and happiness from other things that can't give them to us? So we've been spending some time the last couple of weeks looking at these three things in reverse order. The first week and all this stuff's available on our media channels, we looked at the pursuit of happiness. We looked at the pursuit of liberty and freedom. And today I want to look at the third one, which is the pursuit of life. Now the common denominator to all of these things is that actually what they are are found in God. All of these things come from God. But also what we do, and we've all done it, is sought these things in other places. We've tried to find happiness in positive places that God designed, like relationships, hobbies, successes. 
And sometimes we pursued happiness in things that brought addiction, and they weren't positive. We've sought freedom from causes and courses, but never actually found the freedom that God gives us. Because remember what we said last week, freedom isn't a statue in a harbour in New York, it's a cross on a hill. And that when you come to Jesus Christ, he gives you freedom, your pursuit for freedom can end. Because he gives you freedom from your past, but he also gives you freedom for your future. Because the Holy Spirit comes to live in your life and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, amen. <clears throat> but I want to look at these, these, this final one today, that true life is found in him. Now I'm using the terminology true life because there's many levels of life, but true life is found in him. Being alive, born of your parents, gives you a level or an experience of life. The life that you have is a different life to what animals have. Amen? We're caught in between the life of animals and the life of God. We've been made in the image of God. To know a life that's fulfilling and eternal. But just like happiness and just like liberty, sometimes we've saw life in other places because we didn't realize that true life is found in one place. <clears throat> and that's a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Listen to these words from John 14. This is Jesus speaking. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father or the life of the Father except through me. Isn't that wonderful that Jesus answers some key questions in that statement? He said, hey, you're living in a way that you don't know where you're going. I am the way. Follow me. You're living in a world made of lies. Yet Jesus says, I am the truth. In your, if you're in pursuit of truth, look no further than me. That's what Jesus was saying. If you're confused and don't know way, where to go, Jesus said, I am the way you're looking for. I am the truth in a world of lies. But then he makes this statement, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father <coughs> except through me. Now the word that's used there for life is the word zoe. A lot of people have named their children zoe over the years, or zoe. And the word zoe is the word that's used there in the original for the word life. But when Jesus says, I am the life. This word zoe means true life, the God kind of life, eternal life, manner of life that God enjoys himself. So Jesus is saying, you've experienced natural life, you see animals enjoy life, yet if you come to me, your pursuit for true life will conclude and you'll find what you're looking for. Because Jesus said, I don't offer you natural life. That was the gift of my father involving your parents. Jesus said, I give you true life. Now this word life is the kind of life <coughs> that God enjoys himself. That's awesome, isn't it? How many people believe that God enjoys his life? Right? No depression, no misery, no fear, no guilt. No shame, 
He doesn't wake up every morning because he never slumbers. He doesn't go to sleep. He's just so happy he can't sleep. And God says, I want you to know my life. I designed Adam to know my life. Yet when Adam sinned, Adam and humanity were separated from Zoe life, true life, and they settled for something that we could call mere existence. Now, Zoe life could also be called abundant life. Now, here's another famous verse from the book of John. I'm going to sit down this morning. Is that all right? Everybody good with that? Okay. Now, abundant life is from that verse in John 10, verse 10, where Jesus says, the thief, that's the devil, comes with one agenda, kill, steal, and destroy. Never confuse the agenda of the devil for your life. Just as Jesus' plan for your life is for you to experience his life, the plan of the devil for you, through all of his cunning schemes, is to kill you, destroy you, and take from you. So whenever you see theft, destruction, and death, that's not the fingerprints of God. That's the fingerprints of an enemy that hates you. Yet Jesus says the thief, the devil, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But then he brings the good news. He says, but me, I have come that you would have life, and life in all abundance, or life more abundantly. Again, the word that he uses for life is zoe life, not natural life. Jesus says the thief comes to rip you off, but I have come to reconnect you and show you the life of God that you can know in your mortal one. It's interesting that it uses the word abundance of life there. And the word abundance is the word perissos. That's the original word. And it means this, superabundant in quantity. So when Jesus offers us God life, he's saying, no, no, it's not limited like the life that you experience naturally. It's superabundant in quantity. It's never ending. It's eternal. Just keeps on coming like a train. Also, the word perissos for abundant means superior in quality and beyond all measurement. So Jesus says, on your pursuit for life, if you will come to me, you will find that I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, not just a life. I am the life, not just a life. Because you can have a life, but it doesn't mean you've discovered the life. There's a life that's yours from being born, but there's also a life that's super abundant in quantity, superior in quality, and beyond measurement that you don't know when you die, but you can know while you still live in the natural. Everybody still with me? Now, this takes us again to the thought of the two Adams, and we're going to hover around that a little bit today. When we consider the two Adams, the Bible speaks of a first Adam. That's Adam and Eve in the garden. All of us find our natural existence 
from birth through Adam. When Adam sinned in the garden, humanity, you and me, we sinned in him. When Adam was separated from the life of God, the first Adam, we were separated from the true life of God. So the Bible recognizes a first Adam, but it also recognizes some would call him a second Adam. I don't like that because it makes it sound like there's going to be a third one. Jesus isn't the second Adam, he's the last Adam. There's a first Adam through whom we get natural birth, and there's a last Adam through who we are born again of the Spirit. We are born again and experience the life that comes from God. When we come to Jesus, the last Adam, he removes all of the sins of the first Adam and then puts his Holy Spirit in us, and that's what we would call being born again. Remember, Jesus spoke a lot, didn't he, about being born again. Remember his conversation with Nicodemus. Nicodemus was in pursuit of life, and Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3, nobody experiences kingdom life unless they're born again, born from above, born anew. Different translations put that different ways. And Nicodemus, being a clever-minded fella, said to Jesus, how can a man be born again? How can a man experience life when he already has life? And Jesus said this in response. First John, uh, not first John, sorry, John 3. He makes this statement. He says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. So what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus is that which is born of the flesh, mum and dad, has the life of flesh. But that which is born of the spirit, those who place faith in Jesus Christ, get a superior, eternal level of life. Now this is really interesting when you begin to dig through this because we understand that the life that we're seeking is found in Christ alone. This is kind of strange because when we talk about Jesus offering life, think about that for a moment. Every created person has a right to know life. Jesus says, if you come to me, I will give you life. Well, wait a moment, Jesus. That's a strange statement being made to people who are already alive. But what Jesus was saying is the life that you're experiencing now is a fallen life. If you will believe in me, I will reconnect you to the Father's life, which is superior, superabundant, and eternal. The life that we know here that we received through natural birth has a shelf life on it. The life that Jesus gives is eternal. You can enjoy it here and forevermore in eternity. Now, everyone alive is experiencing life, but not everyone alive is experiencing God's life or true life. And this is the pursuit of the heart of people, isn't it? that people have been given the gift of life through their parents, yet they don't seem happy. 
People have been given the gift of life, yet many people are disappointed with it. Many people sadly choose to take it because they don't appreciate the gift of life that God gave us through natural birth. That's because within all of us, within all of humanity, there's an inner craving that says there must be more. Even though we're naturally alive, we've naturally been born through our parents, descendants of Adam, there's a craving within every person for true happiness, true liberty, and what is true life. Now, this is what I believe is correct. All alive have a life, but not all have found the life. Now, I'm going to read to you a verse of scripture from John chapter 3. No, I'm not. I'm going to read you a verse of scripture that's a little bit further on down. I've lost my notes here. John, 1 John 5 verse 11. And it says this, and it speaks of the life that God gives. And this is the testimony God has given us, eternal life. And the life, the life is in his son. Whoever has life, whoever does not have the son of God, does not have life. So what it's saying in 1 John is God has given us in Jesus, not a life, we got that from Adam, but the life. But people can be alive naturally, but dead spiritually. You see, when you look at the life of Jesus, you see that he was alive, not just physically, but spiritually to God. And when he offers life to us, what he does is he offers life which is superior to the life which we've known. Now, I want to bring this again back to the thought of the two Adams. Because Jesus is saying to those who are naturally alive, oh no, you're not experiencing life like you could. And he gives an opportunity, an invitation, and he says, come to me and I will reconnect you to what true life is. And I will end the pursuit within you that's saying, well, I'm not happy with this thing called life. This thing called life isn't enough for me. I'm discontent. I'm not yet fulfilled. That's because it's like a jigsaw puzzle. If you go to a jumble sale or your granny buys you a, a second-hand jigsaw puzzle, they buy you a jigsaw puzzle of a 1,000 pieces. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. <clears throat> and you spend your time trying to build it all only to discover at the end there's a piece missing. And the piece that's missing is always the key piece. Like if it's a house, it's the door. Or if it's a farmyard, it's the sheep's head. And so you spend this time trying to make sense of this picture that can't make sense because the key piece that causes it to make sense is missing. That's a good analogy of life. Before we find Jesus... Which is people naturally born, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, desperately trying to make life feel like it should, look like it should, have the effect that it should, but it never can until you find the missing piece, which is only found 
in Jesus Christ. And when you find Jesus, you don't find a life. You had that through natural birth. You find the life. You're reconnected to the manner of life that God wants you to enjoy. So when we look at the two Adams again, remember, there's a first Adam. Adam and Eve in the garden who were created in the image and likeness of God, who were made alive spiritually, physically, and mentally. Yet when they died through disobedience, they didn't die naturally, they carried on living on. Did that ever confuse you when you were reading Genesis? In the book of Genesis, I can see God speaking to Adam and saying, listen, every tree in the garden is good for you to eat, but don't touch that tree. Now, that tree represented his spirit, his, the, what was contrary to his spiritual life. He said to Adam, he said, there's the tree of life. That's what I want you to know. That's what I've created you to know. But also over here, there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of I know better than God. I can find life for myself. I don't need to be under God, I know better than him. And Adam and Eve, the first Adam, turned their back on God's life to experience another life that the devil had convinced them was better or superior. But what Adam actually did, what Adam and Eve actually did, was they disconnected themselves from superior, superabundant, you could never want better, life of God to settle for mere existence. You see, when we understand these things, we understand that Jesus is saying, come back to me and I will show you life in all abundance, life in all its fullness. So when we look at the last Adam, which is Jesus, we see that Jesus offers us reconnection to the life he wanted us to know from the beginning of time. Let me read you these verses from 1 Corinthians 15, 22. When you read the chapter of 1 Corinthians 15, it really introduces us to the people of Adam and the roles of Adam. Now it says this in verse 45, in verse 22. For as in Adam all died, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. Okay, let's just stop for a moment. All in Adam die. All in Jesus are made alive. Now when Adam took of the fruit of I know better than God, God had said the day you eat of that fruit, Come on, we all know Genesis, you will surely die. But when you read through the book of Genesis, you see Eve take the fruit and give the fruit to Adam, and God removes them from the garden, yet they don't look dead to me. How about you? Suddenly you see Adam and Eve living on, you see Adam and Eve having children, Cain and Abel, and it's like God didn't do what he said, because God said, the day you turn away from my life to other life, you will die. I want to put to you today, members of the jury, die they did. But it wasn't a physical death. 
They now lived mere existence with all of its pain, all of its suffering, and now they had the potential to die physically. They didn't die mentally. They were still able to reason and to process. They died spiritually. In that moment, they died spiritually. They were separated from the life that God had designed for them to know. They'd been separated from a life that was superior than everyday life. They were separated from a life that was so much better than the mere existence that they stepped into. Now, when we look at verse 45 of 1 Corinthians 15, it says, So it is written, the first man, Adam became a living being, but the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Now stay with me, we're just talking about two Adams. If you can count two, you can stay with me. There were two trees in the garden, there were two Adams. All of us were born naturally through the first Adam. The first man, the first Adam became a living being. He became a living being yet he was dead inside to the life of God. The first man, Adam, became, which means he wasn't always, right? The first man, Adam, became a living being, which means Adam knew something better before he became. Agreed? Because you can only become if you've been something before. Adam was made in the image of God to be like God, to look like God, to enjoy the life that God enjoys himself. Yet through the sin of disobedience, he became a living being. When we were born naturally, we became living beings. But that doesn't mean that we've discovered true life. Now it says, the first man, Adam, became a living being, but the last Adam, that's Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. But wait a moment, the first man, Adam, caused us to be living. No, we were living, but we were born dead. Does that make sense? When you were born naturally, flesh gives birth to flesh, You were born and alive as a living being, but dead to the life of God. Everybody with me? Give me a wave if you're with me. All the first Adam could provide for us was to be born as living beings, but like Adam, we were alive naturally, but we were dead to the life of God. Yet then it speaks of Jesus, the last Adam, and it says, the last Adam, Jesus, has become a life-giving spirit. Now, it's interesting, when you study that word life, life life-giving spirit, you think you're going to find the word zoe. Oh, Jesus is the one that gives you the life of God. But actually, life, it means quickening, and spirit means pneuma, which is the breath of God. So Adam became a living being, lived, had children, but was dead 
to God spiritually, dead to true life. He had a life, but not true life. But then came Jesus, the last Adam, and he didn't say, I give you natural life, but rather, I quicken back within you the life of God that God wanted you to know from the moment he formed Adam. When you come to Jesus, he gives you the life, not a life. He gives you the life. That word life means you are quickened by the breath of God. Wow. So when a person's born again, God resuscitates them and brings them from death back to the life he wanted them to know. All of us are born naturally. Flesh gives birth to flesh. But Jesus says to us, as he said to Nicodemus, being naturally born is not enough. You've got to experience a second birth. You've got to be born again. A person is born again when they come to Jesus and say, I have a life, but I haven't got the life. Jesus, would you quicken the breath and the life of God back inside of me so that I can be like Adam was before he sinned? You see, there used to be an expression when I was young. I don't know if it's still around. I'm not as young these days. People used to say, oh, get a life. Is that still trendy? I don't know, is it? Get a life. My response was, i got a life. Have you? Get a life. No, no. i got the life. Have you? Because the life doesn't come from being born through your parents The life which takes away the power of depression inside of your heart, that breaks the power of things that have been controlling you, that causes freedom to break out where there's been captivity, joy where there's been misery, faith where there's been fear. That life comes to a person when they're born again through placing faith, not in the first Adam, but in Jesus Christ. We're getting somewhere now, right? We good, Russ? All right, we're good. Russ has given me the nod. So in some ways, we understand that the life is the life that only comes from Jesus. But in placing faith in Jesus Christ, we find the way, we find the truth, and we find not a life, but the life. The verses that we read in 1 John 5 says, and he gave the life through Jesus Christ life eternal. So what happens when a person's born again is they return, how can I put this? They return to Eden. They return to Eden. Because in Eden, man was made in the image and likeness of God. Man was alive physically, alive in their soul, but was also alive to God because they were joined to God by the Spirit. Now we know that Adam and his sin caused him and us to be kicked out of Eden. 
And man was sentenced to keep on living mere existence. The life that you've been living without God isn't the life that God intended for you. It's called survival. It's called make it through. I know people that are basically living, can't wait to die so they can get out of here and go to heaven. That's such a shame because God doesn't want you to experience his life in heaven. He wants you to experience here as well. See, the reason people turn to sad things like suicide is because they're discontented with this life. And this life will discontent you. It, 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 will meet, it will leave you disappointed. That's why God's answer is, don't try and get everything you think you need from this life. Come to me and receive true life. Now, when a person gets born again, just like we all got kicked out of the party with Adam. With Jesus, the last Adam, we all come back into Eden. Not when we die and we're born again. Not when we die and go to heaven, but the moment we believe and we're born again. Have you ever been kicked out of a party when you didn't do anything to get kicked out? I've, I've been that man. Not the current version, the old creation who's dead and buried, but... I've got thrown out of a few parties in my life, and to tell you the truth, I deserved it. But I can remember once being thrown out of a party, and I said, I didn't deserve that. I can remember being thrown out of a discotheque, as we called it back in the day. And I remember saying to the bouncer, I didn't do that. This is unfair. And they could have responded, well, what about the last 10 times? And that would have been true. But this time, I remember saying, I didn't do it. They said, you started that. I said, I didn't do it. I wasn't even there. And I remember being kicked out of a nightclub saying, that's just not just. That's just not fair. That's how I felt when I read about Adam. I thought, that's not fair. I wasn't in the garden. I didn't eat the apple. I didn't turn from the tree of life. I wasn't there. But the thing was, I was there because I was present in Adam Adam got us kicked out of the party and separated from true life. But the good news is if it takes one person to disqualify you, if it takes one perfect man to disqualify you, it takes one perfect man to qualify you. If it takes one perfect man to cut you off, it takes one perfect man to reconnect you. That's why we ain't giving any thanks to the first man, Adam, but we give all praise to the last Adam because Jesus Christ, he came and took us through his death, burial and resurrection from isolation and exile when we're born again he brings us back into the garden and rejoins us to not a life the life so we can experience the pneuma the spirit of God in our lives while we yet live these natural days how else can we put this umbilical cords let's talk umbilical cords I was present at the birth of all five of my children. I want to give all the credit to Gina, but I was there going, go on, girl, you can do this. <clears throat> I, was, I was there supporting her the whole way. And I can remember as each of my children were born, the doctor came along with a pair of scissors, and I did them a couple of times myself, and gave the opportunity to cut the umbilical cord. And it's the strangest thing because... Even though you know that there's a baby in your wife's stomach, when the baby is actually in your arms, you're like, hello, where did you come from? 
it all kind of makes sense. The actuality of it blows your mind. And the next thing you've got is a doctor standing there with a pair of scissors saying, do you want to cut her off from the life of her mother? Because at this point, the only life the child has known has been drawn through an umbilical cord connected to its mother. It has no life in its own. It hasn't breathed yet. The only life it knows is the life that comes from a union with its parent. And then daddy comes along, cuts it. The baby gets its butt slapped by a doctor, which causes it to go, (gasps) and it breathes its first breath. But it's not breathing the breath of true life. It's breathing the breath of mere existence. Because it's been born naturally, yet that baby, like all of us, is still spiritually dead to God. So we cut the cord and the baby (gasps) starts to breathe and lives out its life taking care of itself. Well, when it gets to about 28. (laughs) Just a thought. Okay, let's bring this back in to what God's done for us. When we were made in the image of God, there was an umbilical cord between us and God where the same quality of God life that he enjoyed, we enjoyed also. Through Adam, that cord was cut. Our backside was slapped. We were removed from the Garden of Eden and forced to breathe a life that wasn't true life. It was a life, but there was no fulfillment in this life. There was no fullness in this life, but it was life. God gave us life through our natural parents. Thank you, parents. When a person's born again... We're taken back to God and the umbilical cord that was broken is reconnected. And the life of God begins to flow again into the child of God. So that while we live this life, a life, we can enjoy the life because we've been joined again to God. This time the umbilical cord isn't cut, it's reconnected. Where was that in the Bible? He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. He who is joined to the Lord... How do you get joined to the Lord? You believe that Jesus Christ, as the last Adam, repairs everything that the first Adam did. That the second, uh, the last Adam, Jesus, causes you to come from a life to discovering the life. In that moment, you're born again. And the good news is, it's not just life that lasts a lifetime, it's life eternal. The life that God has joined you to through faith in Jesus Christ doesn't have a shelf life on it like the life that your parents gave to you. It's eternal, which means the day will come for us all, even when we close our eyes to death or Jesus comes to return, where we will move from this level of living that we know into a level of living called eternity. But the life you get there will be no different to the life you got here. Because when a person's born again, the umbilical cord that was cut by Adam is rejoined by Christ and we can live our lives walking this planet enjoying a life look there's a butterfly it's beautiful oh a grass field it makes me want to write poetry enjoy a life but you'll never enjoy a life until you've been joined to the life and the place that you get the life is one place Jesus said I am the way I am the truth and I am the life so if you've been discontent 
discontent with a life, if you've been discontent with the mundane life that you've been living, I've got an answer for you. Come back to God. Be joined to the life. And suddenly when the life begins to flow through your blood and through your veins and through your bones, just like the life of a mother flows through the life of a baby, when God's life begins to flow through a life, a life suddenly becomes an amazing life that you don't want to end. You don't want to torture. You don't want to torment. The thing is, you didn't change a life. You discovered life. Are we good? Maybe you're here today and you've been in pursuit of happiness. Listen, that pursuit can end when you find Jesus. Other wells are broken. Every bucket has a hole in it apart from Jesus. Maybe you've been here and you've been in pursuit of liberty and freedom. You've done every course that there is and you've read every book on freedom, but yet you're still not free. (laughs) Because causes and courses can't set you free like Jesus sets you free. True freedom is found in Jesus Christ. But I want to add to the menu today. But maybe you've been pursuit of life. If I do this, I feel alive. If I do this, I feel like I'm living. If I make this decision, I'll have a real life. If I lose weight, I feel more alive. If I go to the gym, if I have a new relationship, if I divorce this one and marry this one, surely I'll find life in all of those decisions. Yet you do it and then suddenly discover there ain't no life in any of those choices, not a life that satisfies. (laughs) Then you get Jesus, not dressed up in bows and ribbons. Just an everyday guy, he looked like, just like us. He walks into our world and he says, hey, if you're looking for truth, if you're looking for life, come to me. If you will place faith in me, you will be born again. You will come back into Eden and enjoy life like God intended. The umbilical cord that was cut through the first Adam will be rejoined through the second. God will no longer be on the outside of you, but God will also now be alive within you. This is the good news of the gospel. Maybe you're here today and you've never received Jesus as Lord and Saviour. Maybe you did and you drifted away. That's okay, we've all done that. The main thing is what you do next. Sometimes people get so bent out of shape about how they drifted away. The main thing is, what do you do next? Do you come on back? If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've been living a life, but the reason you've not been happy with a life is you've been living without the life. Come to Jesus today. Receive His life today. Jesus says it's the thief that comes to kill, steal and destroy a life. But I come that you would have abundance of life one choice could change everything one prayer could change everything would you pray this with me today church heavenly father thank you that Jesus is the way the truth and the life I can come back to your life father through Jesus 
I acknowledge Jesus died on the cross for me, paid for my sin, gives me a brand new beginning and repairs what Adam did. I receive you, Jesus, not as a concept, but as a Lord and Saviour. As I do, my life is born again, filled with your spirit life, flowing through the umbilical cord of union reconnected with you. I receive you, Jesus. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Just my every eyes closed, every head's bowed. If you're here today and you've never prayed that prayer, or maybe you've been away from God, or maybe you've been pursuing life in so many other places, but you've never found it in Him. I'm going to say one, two, three in a few moments. And as I do, I want to invite you to lift your hand. And when you lift your hand, you say, I've just prayed that prayer for me. I've received Jesus today. I turn my back on backsliding and I slide back this morning. I make all things fresh with God again. I want to give my life to Jesus. I prayed that prayer for me, Andy. Andy, I prayed that prayer for me today. If that's you, I want to encourage you to lift your hand because a person believes in their heart and makes a confession unto salvation. What I'm going to ask you to do as a confession is I'm going to ask you to lift your hand when I count to three and let a journey begin to true life. One. Hey, you've got nothing to lose, have you? You've got everything to gain. Two. You've tried other things. Why not try him? Three. If that's you, lift your hand right now. God bless you. I see two hands, three hands, four hands, five hands. Come on, I prayed for 10 this morning. I prayed for 10 this morning. We've got five hands lifted there. Is there anyone else? I'm just going to wait a couple of moments. If you've never known the life of God, you don't know if you've been born again. Today, you need to give your life to Jesus. You need to turn your back on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Come back to the life that God intended for you. Is there a sixth person today? You say, me too, Andy. Me too, Andy. Come on, you've got nothing to lose. You've got everything to gain. Just going to wait a couple of moments. Just as people think about these things. He stands at the door and he knocks. If you open, God bless you. I see that hand over there, number six. God bless you. Love that little hand going up there, loving God. Anybody else? If we've got a seventh person today, this is vitally important. This doesn't just affect eternity, it affects your life here. Anybody else? Father, I want to thank you for these six people that have responded to start a relationship with you or come back to a relationship with you. Holy Spirit, would you just so fill them now? God, would you cause your life to flow through that connection and make all things new? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you lifted your hands, well done. We just want three minutes of your time at the back. We've got a Bible we want to give you. We want to see if there's anything we can help. Pastor Paul is at the back. There's a team at the back there. Great people just want to say, how can we help you to take your next step? Let me just pray this over you guys. You ready? Family Church, the Lord bless you and keep you. 
The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give you great peace. Have an incredible week. We'll see you back next week.